Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Andrew Sykes. Andrew grew up in South Africa and has lived, worked, and run businesses on six continents and has been a salesperson for 25 years. Andrew's the author of The 11th Habit, a TEDx speaker, and a lecturer at Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management. He's the founder of Habits at Work, where he helps sales and customer success teams build relationships, create and leverage trust and uncover their customers' needs beyond the surface. Thanks so much for being here today, Andrew. It's my pleasure. I'm thrilled to be on your podcast. Thanks for having me, Diane. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. We're going to be talking about salespeople. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's a a loaded subject. Um, and, And I would love your take on why salespeople are not really considered trustworthy. Uh, and is there actually evidence to support that claim? Okay. Fantastic question. Thank you for asking. Firstly, is there evidence? Yes. Surveys have been done in multiple countries. And although they seem to change from year to year when they're indicating which professions are trusted or least trustworthy, Salespeople tend to rank at the bottom or near the bottom in most countries, most years without fail. And I think the second piece of evidence probably is just personal. You know, think about how you react when someone asks you, do you trust your physician? Do you trust nurses when you need care versus do you trust someone who's trying to sell you something? (laughs) So I think the bad news is if you're a salesperson, you are walking into the room with someone or Zoom with someone who doesn't trust you just because of who you are, regardless of who you are as a human, you know, who you are as a label, as a, as a um, profession. I think the worst news, though, which extends beyond salespeople, is this isn't unique to salespeople because I believe that the reason why salespeople are untrusted is because we suspect they have a motive And that motive is their self-interest, their commission, or their success rather than ours. And it's the suspicion of motive that causes the distrust. And if you're a leader or a consultant or anyone who's trying to influence anybody else to do something different from what their current plan is, they may suspect you have motives of self-interest. And they will immediately put you in the same untrustworthy box as the rest of us salespeople. So yes, I think there's evidence. Yes, I think there's good reason for it in the past. The truth is 
many salespeople have behaved badly or in a less than trustworthy way. And so maybe we've earned the reputation, but if you're a new salesperson or an old hand at it, you're carrying that reputation whether you like it or not. <laughs> okay. okay. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so with you on this. So, but let's, so let's flip it and let's talk about trust. So, what is your definition of trust for starters? My definition is the risk that people take that you will either be insincere, incompetent, or lack a track record to deliver on the promises that you make. So trust is the willingness to risk yourself vulnerably to the actions of another human being. Oh, I get it. Okay. All right. I think there's a difference between trust, which is a gift we give other people to trust in them, versus trustworthiness, yeah. which is an assessment that people make of us, unfortunately, on factors that are usually not a very good indication of whether or not we actually deserve to be trust, trusted. And therein lies, I think, both the confounding problem, but also the opportunities. And one of the things I've noticed is how, as human beings, we're so indignant that we are worthy of trust because we tell the truth, we have good intentions, and we keep our word. We do what we say we're going to do. And I think, frankly, that most people are worthy of trust by that definition. The problem is that that's actually a definition of integrity. Oh. trustworthiness is someone else's assessment of you that may or may not be fair. It may or may not be a valid judgment, but it's their assessment that matters in the end. And all the research in trust says people make these assessments very early on, on little data and through lenses that are often biased. As one example, it's unfair to trust, to distrust someone just because they're a salesperson before you even gotten to meet them as a human being, but yeah. we all do it every day anyway. So, so as salespeople, what do we do to build trust or, or show that we are trustworthy? Hmm. Great question. I think the first thing is to realize that there are a couple of myths around trust that we live with as if they're true because it feels like they are. As one example, we tell ourselves that trust takes time to build. And we've all had an experience of trying to work on a relationship and it takes weeks that turn into months. And so our lived experience is trust seems to take time to build. Yet when you go and look at all the literature in trust, it seems that people make assessments of our trustworthiness in milliseconds to minutes if we're lucky. And so there's this disconnect between what we think is going on, taking months to build trust, and what's actually happening, which is oftentimes people have seen us get out the elevator. They don't like the look of us, or they know that we salespeople because they did a little research on LinkedIn. And while we think we're building trust, we're actually clawing our way out of a trust hole into which we stepped or were put because we blew our first impression and we didn't even know it happened. Wow. So one thing we can do is 
understand the research in how people assess trustworthiness and use that to our advantage to buy ourselves the time and opportunity to actually make promises, deliver on them, and demonstrate that we are indeed people who deserve to be trust, trusted. Okay. <laughs> I was sort of afraid to ask how in the world we do that. Okay. Um, but I am curious. I mean, because there, there's got to be, you know, if people are listening and all small business owners are salespeople, I mean, you know, on some level, um, and then you have all the sales professionals out there and th- we're always up against this. So it let, let's say um, someone is deemed not trustworthy, just, you know, they get off the elevator, someone doesn't like their look, as you said, you know, it's a thing. Then what do they do to... Um, combat that? Can they do anything or is it a lost cause? I think there's lots you can do because I do think although we're all judgy human beings, or at least I am, and many people have said that they are too, Mm -hmm. despite that fact, I do think there are a couple of minutes in which you can adjust someone's first impression before it becomes cemented in their view of you. And it's, it's worth starting with what do we do that doesn't serve us? And one example is introducing ourselves by saying, hi, Diane, my name's Andrew, and I'm the head of sales at, and using the label that we know comes with the reputation of a lack of trustworthiness. (laughs) If people say, well, that's easy to fix, I can just change my title to head of business development, I think that's actually even worse because (laughs) it's clear that we're trying to hide who we are. So I would recommend against introducing yourself with your title because that probably doesn't serve you whether it's a euphemistic one or an accurate one and what i'd instead say is notice that oftentimes people are judging you before you've opened your mouth and there are a couple of things you can do in those seconds from when someone sees you on zoom or live to when you get the opportunity to say something they're kind of obvious things look people in the eye so you don't appear as shifty smile which generally produces a smile in return and has people say to themselves, consciously or not, I guess I like and probably trust this person because I'm smiling at them. And the third, of course, is to have an open and energetic or enthusiastic demeanor and posture. Folding your arms looks like you're hiding something. Looking Mm -hmm. down looks like you're wanting to obscure the truth. So you can do a lot with just how you present yourself But I think when you open your mouth, that's that opportunity when you get to prove that someone's first impression of you was misguided. And what I recommend is, number one, connecting like a human, asking people about who they are and their lives, asking a more interesting connection question than how are you or how's the weather or how was your weekend? Because that, although it's polite and it's traditional and accepted, boy, is it boring. (laughs) we've all had the experience of salespeople who say hi diane oh i see you've got a picture of your kids behind you on the desk and and you know it's so trite and transparent that we just roll our eyes and just hope that they would leave yeah so 
you know, if, if we do all of that right, I think there's a point at which someone says, you know, let's do some introductions or tell me a little bit about yourself. And I think that there is the magic moment where you get to demonstrate through how you tell the story of who you are, that you have good intentions rather than terrible motives. And it typically sounds like a story about why you do what you do that feels like you're passionate, enthusiastic, and you really care about what you do versus I'm here to sell you something you don't want in a time frame that's uncomfortable at a price you can't afford because that will serve my pocket. Now, there's an art, of course, to doing that. So let me just stop there and see if that's making sense. It, it absolutely is making sense. It, it completely is. And, and I'm curious about uh, the art of doing that. Well, if we take a step back and ask, what are the questions that someone's asking when you're approaching them? And I always use that example. If you think about walking down, I live in Chicago, walking down Michigan Avenue or Fifth Avenue in New York, whatever your main street is, we've all had, a, had that experience when we were approached by usually a couple of younger adults in matching T-shirts with clipboards. And we get that sinking feeling because we know they want our money, they want our signature, they want our time, they want something. And suddenly we take out our cell phone or we turn around or we look up and we avoid them. <laughs> And it's that feeling that customers have when we approach them as salespeople. Yeah. So just be empathetic that that's what people are feeling when, when they see us or experience us as coming towards them. And the reason they're feeling that way is because they've asked themselves these questions. Who is this person and what do they want? And they've given themselves their own answer. Ah, oh, this is a salesperson and they want to con me out of my money or convince me to do something I don't want to do. Right. So I think when we introduce ourselves, we need to address those questions. Who am I and what do I actually want? And to give you an example outside of the sales domain, just imagine you are in a country that gives you the luxury of choosing your surgeon in the horrible circumstance that you need a surgical procedure. Surgeon A says, Diane, I'm the best surgeon in the country. I've done this 50,000 times. I make a lot of money doing this. Can't wait to cut you open tomorrow. And so the B says, Diane, I've done this procedure lots of times. I get great results. But when I was 10 years old, my older brother died from this disease and I promised myself no other family should suffer that loss. So I'm excited to do your procedure tomorrow. Who would you choose? Number two. I think that's most people's answer. And the truth yeah. is you examined the data in the introductions Surgeon A had done the procedure more often and got better results. So technically, that would be the better choice. But we love people who have a reason for doing what they do that's in our interests rather than theirs. Yes. So as a salesperson, I would introduce myself by saying, you know, my name is Andrew. Maybe one sentence about my background. I've had the luxury of living and working on six continents around the world for some of the world's leading companies. But the reason I do what I do is because I just love helping people make progress in their lives. And that's what I consider sales to be. And so I'm extraordinarily privileged to be with you today and help you think about and perhaps earn the right to help you make progress in your life. 
and something along those lines that lets people know, like, I love the opportunity to serve. I'm in it for that passionate outcome. And I'm also clear that I have to earn your trust. I'm not presuming that you will give it to me for free. How did that yeah, sound? I, I love that. Uh, I think that it, that that what you said there with and and hope to earn the right it is really so different and and so refreshing. It it tells the person that where you're coming from and that you aren't trying to you're you're not going to be trying to convince them of anything. You're going to be having a conversation with them. Exactly right. And and sometimes we even have to go further and, and make it clear. Like my job today is to listen, to learn, to repeat back what I hear mm-hmm. so that I can demonstrate that I'm truly listening to you. And also to be on the lookout for evidence that I'm not and my product or company is not a good fit for what you're doing. Right. And refer you to someone who I think can help you more effectively or more cost-effectively. Yeah. Now, I have spent many years failing as a salesperson by making many of these mistakes. Hence, some of the things I have to share today are hard-won insights from mistakes made. But I think the turning point in my life was really realizing that what sales is, is the opportunity to help someone else make progress. Yeah. Opportunity to do that versus the job of manipulating or convincing someone to do something because no one likes being told what to do, certainly not by a salesperson. But we do like being guided by someone who respects us enough to acknowledge that we all have an opinion on how our own problems should be solved, who gives us the grace of listening to that opinion, whether it's well-formed or not before they presume to offer their solution. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and why is it that salespeople, a lot of salespeople, have this feeling that their job is to convince someone that that someone can't live without whatever it is the salesperson is? offering that's a very good question i've thought about this a lot and i think there are like any complex problem multiple reasons one of which at least is poor guidance from and pressure from sales managers or sales leaders perhaps express their needs effectively but they're not fully responsible for how they're understood you know a message like we have to meet our quarter end quota is well intentioned, but it's very much about the company and what the company gets and not much about the customer. Right. So that trickles down. And I do, do believe we all live in a world where there are stories about salespeople. I grew up thinking sales was a somewhat dirty profession and it was the profession of you know, let's call it respectable charlatans who <laughs> couldn't otherwise make it as con men they became salespeople. Because I'll, I'll tell you that my own confession is I'm a recovering actuary and I'm 
I grew up on the complete opposite side of the spectrum as someone who's all about data and the integrity of being a professional. And we were taught to almost look down on salespeople who had that horrible trade of convincing customers to buy our product in the end. I've completely changed my view. I think mm. that without salespeople, nothing happens. Without good salespeople, the reputation of your company is in extraordinary jeopardy. Yeah. And that good salespeople happen also to be good people, good leaders. I don't think there is much difference, if any, between the art and science of leadership and the art and science of sales. I think to lead is to sell and to sell is to lead. And when you look at it like that, then you get the humility of the opportunity of being a salesperson. Hmm. What a great opportunity to be that person who may be chosen to help another human or thousands of humans make progress in their life. Yeah, boy, that that is really impactful and i agree with you i i do think it, um people are have been misguided around what the expectation is um in their role as a salesperson so they develop this crazy mindset which only contributes to how everyone else feels about salespeople. um i know back when i was in sales sales i would tell people that um, I may or may not have uh, a solution for them, but that I was going to tell them that I wasn't trying to sell them anything. I just wanted to have a conversation. And if I wasn't the best resource, I would certainly let them know. And so it brought the temperature down and we were able to have meaningful conversations and I followed through on it. So they, you know, if I didn't think, if I thought they were better off going someplace else, I always told them. Yeah. And I, I can't tell you how often I've heard from salespeople who have done that, that they lost the deal, but they gained a referral a year later from that person. Exactly. Behavior. Yeah. Exactly. That's and right. I, I think that speaks to, you know, sales is a long game. It's a long career. We all it have. Is. And is it more important for you to meet your company's quota this quarter or to build for yourself and your career a reputation that you are someone who can be counted on to listen before they speak right stand before they propose to earn the right to be trusted before they make promises well and I, I also think that one of the things that that you said is so important for business owners to understand is that how your salespeople show up can be really great for your company or really detrimental for your company? Yes. You know, I'm, I'm a habits guy. That's my sort of um, background is research into how humans form habits or not. And it's based on that research that I came to the conclusion that company culture and brand in the end is nothing more or less than the sum of the habits of the people that work for you culture or the people that interact with your customers brand because what is brand but our experience of and therefore the stories we tell ourselves about our company and as a new person meeting your company for the first time the only data i've got to judge your entire company on 
is how a salesperson treats me, how they speak to me, how they interact with me over time. And one lone ranger of a salesperson can blow the brand for hundreds of customers. We relate to them as, well, missing quota, but I think we underestimate the massive damage they may have done to the hundreds of people they never even met, but who heard bad things about a company because of the horrible experience at their hands. Right. And I've certainly recommended against companies based on a horrible experience I've had. And I'm not shy about telling people about <laughs> which airlines I hate and why because of the experience I've had. And I'm sure others are just like that. Sure. Sure. Right. And and that's one of the things, especially in this day and age where everyone has a megaphone. Yeah. You, right. You just, you can't, you, you can't risk it really. One of the things that, um, bothers me so much about this whole way of selling this whole belief system around selling for for companies is that so many of them have uh, that revolving door outside the sales department you know the salesperson comes in with all the best intentions but can't meet quota or whatever that short term goal is so they leave and what the company doesn't realize is now your prospects are experiencing different people all the time trying to engage them to do business. And so from the prospect's perspective, there's no confidence that if this company can't keep people, how is it going to follow through with keeping whatever promises it makes to me? Great point. You know, speaking of promises, I... I have learned so much about what promises are in the last decade that I never even considered as a young salesperson. And one of those is just realizing that I am a walking promise. When people see me for the first time, I'm making an explicit promise, even though I'm not saying anything. And that sounds terribly unfair because people have expectations of you that they relate to as if they are your promise, even though you haven't said a word and they'll judge you on them, even though you didn't commit to them. And that's unfair. That just happens to be how life is. So I think it's a very mature view to be responsible for the fact that we are presumed to have made a promise, whether or not we've opened our mouths. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so you can either revolt against that or you can be responsible and say, well, Diane, may I ask you, what are your expectations of me? And how would you like me to behave towards you so yes. that I can be explicit about understanding your expectations, accept them and turn them into a stated promise or tell you, Diane, that's unreasonable. I can't commit to that. And so with respect, I withdraw from this conversation, which is totally okay as well. I'm not saying you have to live with everyone's expectations. Right. Be judged by them, whether you like it or not. So you might as well find out what they are. Right. Once again, it's about them, not you. It's not about you meeting quota or paying your mortgage or putting braces on your kid or any of those things. No one cares. It, it's about showing up. And being more interested in what's going on with whoever the prospect is and honestly and openly 
determining whether you can help them make progress. Yeah. Wow. I also think it's a solve for the grind and the burnout that comes with sales so often. Because I've found certainly in periods in my career when I'm just worrying about revenue and getting deals done and getting them over the line, boy, I suffer mentally and physically because of that. But when I do choose to be 100% focused on a customer and their progress and earn the right to do it, I'm just filled with joy. So I think that mindset mm. shift fills you up, whereas the grind of meeting quota uses you up. Yeah. I'd never thought of it that way, but but that makes a lot of sense to me. So there's so many good reasons to approach selling from a, a better, I mean, I think it's a, you know, a better vantage point than not. Yeah. And, and you know, as it turns out, there's the self-interest in the end. I think we have a happier, more wonderful, yeah. <laughs> probably more financially successful life if I can right. with customers than with ourselves. Right. That's right. Exactly. Wow, Andrew, I could talk about talk about this with you forever, but we can't. So um, thank you so much for sharing these viewpoints and this information. I think it's incredibly valuable for the listeners. Will you, speaking of the listeners, tell them how they can find you and your book and all the great things you have going on? Uh, certainly. Thank you for the opportunity to do that. I have a few places. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So search for me, Andrew Sykes, S-Y-K-E-S, at Habits at Work. I would love any listeners to connect with me and have the honor of being in your network. My company's website is habits, H-A-B-I-T-S, at A-T-Work, W-R-K, so habitsatwork.com. I'm also a professional speaker, so I have a speaking site, Andrew Sykes, S-Y-K-E-S dot com. So probably one of those is a great place to find me, but LinkedIn is likely the easiest. Thank you for asking. Excellent. Oh, sure. Thank you. I'll make sure that all that gets into the show notes. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.